Hello and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. It's Monday. We're finally in the studio again on a Monday. It feels like it's been forever, but it actually feels good to be here at the start of the week because I've missed actually starting the football chat at the start of the week. I'm here with Jesse Pug Humphreys, producer Becky and Jilly Flatty. We've missed you, Jilly. You're back with us. How I you missed been? you all. <laughs> been good? Yeah. Yeah, been busy. Yeah, been working, which is obviously always good. Yeah. But yeah, not not much though, like nothing really changed. Yeah. That's feel like it's been ages though since I've been in here. Yeah, what's been your highlight of work over the last couple of weeks? Because obviously you've been booked and busy because you always are, but you've been doing a bit of Sky... Um, Slagging pundit- off the refs on Sky Sports. <laughs> on Sky Sports. A bit of punditry as well. What's been your favourite one? Because there's been some good games over the last couple of weeks as well. That Arsenal-Wolfsburg game, you were doing five live for that. So what's been your favourite of the last couple of weeks? I did like the Champions League ones. Um, Arsenal-Wolfsburg, obviously we was at the Emirates. So it was a bit... There was obviously a lot of atmosphere, which is always easier when you're doing a game when it's like nice and lively and buzzy. Mm. Um, I didn't really want extra time penalties though because I was thinking my poor cab driver is sitting outside <laughs> waiting to, to take me home. What a woman of the people. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking he's got a four o'clock airport run he needs to get home. Uh, but, um, 4 a.m. one? Yeah, we had oh. one the next day at 4 a.m. which he reminded me about all the time on the way home. <laughs> um, that sounds like a him problem, not a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, but no, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed that game. Um, it had all the drama as well at the end of it. Um but no, it's been some good games. I did enjoy Chelsea's game um, against Everton. There's lots of goals to talk about too, Yeah, mm. um, which I enjoyed. And obviously a ref had a penalty shocker as well. So, uh, <laughs> Always good for Jilly. You can yeah. just clear out Lauren James and nothing <laughs> happens nothing apparently. Happens. Uh, we're recording the Monday after Women's FA Cup final and Eurovision. I feel very tired as a result of those yeah. two occasions. But what a weekend. I want to start on Eurovision first because we're going to get into the FA Cup final and probably talk about it for a fair while. So I think we should do it the other way around. Five minutes on the FA Cup final. It was a great show. Oh, it was amazing. I feel like because I'd watched both semi-finals, I felt very prepared as well. Mm. I felt yeah, like I, and I really, liked that. Yeah, yeah. the people I, I was with were shocked at my level of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. Well, also I know last week you were saying you you like Becky to have it as a bit more of a surprise. Yeah. But was but it nice? I, yeah, I yeah. actually pre- I enjoyed it. more. I really enjoyed it more. For having revised, basically yeah. <laughs> knowing what was going on and being able to be like, so this is the bookie's favorite, yes. and this is and this is and like loads of like facts that they mm. told me in the semi-finals. Yes. and also because. I watched the two semi-finals at home and then I went to Bethnal Green working men's club for the final. I didn't feel like I was like had to like concentrate like I I could yes. like be like having fun because I I've seen them. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't have to concentrate super hard and I can be like okay, we want to be on the dance floor for this one yeah. and this one. And then like the rest of them we can go know. to the smoking area for yeah. this one and this we one. Missed, we missed we did miss Maymala because we were gossiping in the smoking area and I okay, we did so we the were smoking fuming. area at Bethnal Green Working Men's Club as well is such a horrible smoking yeah, it's area it's teeny <laughs> tiny That's where all, the best stuff always happens in the smoking area but I do think what I really liked is being able to spot when the performance is levelled up for the final yeah. I will say and I put this in the in our group chat I was really holding my breath because I thought May Muller's performance was going to level up and I'm really it sorry didn't. May it did not because people on Twitter were saying yes May Muller she saved her vocals for the final guy <laughs> Guys, don't worry. And I was like really buying into it. I was like, yes, thank God, it's gonna be great. And I just felt like it was still not. Yeah, great. I went I like went around the dance floor and was like, I miss May Muller. What was she like? <laughs> to like random people and they were like, 
she was fine and I was like okay I, was, like, I didn't miss anything big there and she, they were like, no. I, I, I think the dance routine was bad she did though her live vocals are just not mm. very good like the, if you listen to the recording of that tune like it is it is kind of boppy and you're like okay but she really struggled with the vocals I thought that her dance routine was good though I liked the actual performance but this is a very Simon Cowell analysis <laughs> <laughs> but she did finish second bottom which I think was unfair I still am in shock about how many bloody points Australia got that they tune was terrible but people kept giving them points I think it's quite nice to like return to like to, to host Eurovision and also return to being shit terrible. it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah it's like the natural order yeah. Also, Germany's was appalling. So the fact that we were down with them, I thought that is really damning <laughs> yeah. to be alongside those guys. Did I, because again, I was on the dance floor for this and I was like a bit, I was very drunk. But when Italy was performing, obviously the sexiest so man hot. alive. We very sexy, him. quite boring. Came out with boring. his like rainbow flag <laughs> too. Did come out with his rainbow flag. I just saw a funny tweet, which is like, if the Italian guy had sung the Belgian song, gay people would be in a coma by now. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought he was having some sort of like technical difficulty while he was on stage because I thought he was like tapping his ear and then also kind of like tapping his mic. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, is this all going to shit for him? But he did really well. He oh, liked. I didn't even notice that because yeah. my Italian I friend... I, was, I don't know if I was just like out of it and I was like, what is going my on? My Italian friend was just giving me a whole breakdown of his life story. <laughs> how she'd watched him on San Remo, which is like the competition that people take part in to get to take part, like get to perform on behalf of Italy at Eurovision. And there was this whole thing and she was going like, come over his name, but she was like screaming his name. So it was a very big distraction for me, mm. but I did enjoy having the background. Jilly, I know you're a Eurovision novice, but... You, we made no, really. you watch because I, we said we were going to talk about it on the pod today. So what was your assessment of Eurovision? Yeah, so, I mean, I did say to you I was going to get on the big screen indoors. Yeah. I didn't. I got it on the iPad. What, yeah. what, what, what went on Lil, big screen? Yeah, what the hell was Lil thinking? Lil was uh, catching I, up on EastEnders that she'd missed. I would have thought Lil would like Eurovision. No. Yeah. See, Eurovision, right, for me, it's not really been something that I've ever really watched because I feel like England or United Kingdom always get, like, nil point. And you're a very competitive person. Yeah, so. and I just think, I don't really feel like it's about the songs and that. I feel like it's a bit more about no one really like in the UK. That's why they're down there. Um... <laughs> So it's never really been something that we've really watched. So then when I was obviously seeing on TV this week that there was, Eurovision was pretty much on nearly every night, isn't it? Yeah. Like whatever qualifiers or whatever, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I was like, oh, like this is actually, because normally it's just, I just thought it was just a one-off bang show. Yeah. Um, but people were hyped. Yeah, and I didn't realise how long it was actually on for as well. Yeah, it's about yeah. three hours. That was like four, I think. Four hours, yeah. yeah so That's why you get so drunk. Yeah. What a show. So what did you think, though, on the iPad? Obviously not on the big telly, but yeah, we'll no. be having words with Did you with have the sound later. on? Because I feel yeah, like no. that's a crucial thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching it with the subtitles <laughs> on. Um, yeah, no, I did. I mean, some of them, though, I just felt like some of the songs were just a bit... Like, I like the songs that was more like... Like some of yeah. them are a bit more. We don't need ballads. Emotional, yeah. like yeah. yeah, I didn't mean like. Did you have a favourite? Who's the one that you put in the group as well? Finland, no, no. Lorraine. The woman who's got the really long. Lorraine. Lorraine. Oh, Lorraine, yeah. The the fingernails the were like that. Yeah, I was paying attention to the fingernails because I was thinking it's so long. That's not natural, is it? No, no, they're fake. <laughs> <laughs> Chili, come on. No, do you know what? You can grow your fingernails you can, that long. You see a lot of things on Eurovision and that, and I was like distracted by the fingernails. No, they're, they're extensions. Come on. Well, that's amazing. That she was the one that distracted me. That one is an icon, though. She can do what she. Yeah. So let's she was get, good though. Let's get on to Loreen because that what a song, woman. That song is a banger and I think she absolutely smashed the performance in the semi-finals and smashed the performance in the finals. So I do love that. But a lot of the group I was watching it with came away with 
we just don't want to see the same person win it again. And I think looking at Finland in that moment, also cha-cha-cha, banger, and it went off when that got played in Box Park. Yeah. Uh, apart from the man said it was Norway, I and know. I was really excited because I <laughs> loved Norway and I voted know. for Norway. I and turned I was like, around, Come on. And I then turned around was like, Norway, and then I was like, oh no, he means Finland. Um, but he obviously really thought that he was very close to having the Eurovision crown. You could see him, the camera was onwards. He was devastated. He took his shirt off because he thought he was about to win. So he was kind of like topless waving his... His sleeves. What's a bolero? His bolero. (laughs) He was waving his bolero bolero. in the air. um, And the camera was also on Lorene. And I think we all knew Lorene was going to win it because she is really popular. No one had in the top 10 had got like that many points at all so you were like obviously she's gonna get a ton and she got a crazy like over 200 or something um, fan points and he got a lot as well but what I loved is that everyone in Liverpool was going cha 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 (laughs) like the people wanted it so much and I am gutted it is kind of a bit uh, Lorene winning again but what we do get is Eurovision returning to Sweden for the 50th anniversary of ABBA's this is why people think it was rigged don't they I just I think come on guys well, I mean, I could see it being red because that is amazing, 50-year yeah. anniversary. But also, you what? and I know that, I think it was just her song was great, but can I say this on the pod, how we described it yesterday? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you, I think you could. What, what's about to come up your mouth? Liz, Liz Ward. <laughs> Liz Ward described <laughs> Tattoo by Lorene as, like, her edging us. LAUGHTER <laughs> But once you hear it described like that, the song makes a lot more sense. Because it's like, it, get, it, like, it like pumps up, it pumps up, and you're like, oh my God, it's coming. And then it goes back to the verse. Stop being a prude, Flo. I do get the logic, though. I get the metaphor, actually. But actually, like, so I kind of understand, like, it was a bop, but also, like, it never, like, fully, like, She launched. never committed. She never yeah. committed. Um, and... <laughs> but when you watched her perform you were like yeah she's fucking miles she ahead was so of anyone she was so good it was like yeah this is incredible and so i'm like i loved i loved cha-cha-charing my way through the dance floor when finland won but i didn't you know it didn't didn't move me mm, in the I, same way Lorene moved me. And when the DJ played Lorene yesterday, oh, that moved it me. It went off. Yeah. Um, I was in like the middle of Box Park <laughs> and I, can't, I couldn't quite hear what was happening. And my friend Lou was like, they're playing, they're playing it. And I was like, what? And she was like, the bisexual icon. And I was like, <gasps> and I was literally me? like, I'm here. And I was literally like, Jesse! I was like, like where's Becky? Ran through Box Park to find Jesse and picked them up and was like, and we it, went for it. It, is, it, like, it was amazing. And she is such a good performer, my word. Like, the vocals were insane. I don't know if you guys also, Jilly, you probably didn't because I know you're not as <laughs> invested in the original as we are, but there was also a great clip of her rinsing a journalist who tried to say that her. Her vocals weren't pitch perfect in rehearsal and she was like darling have you tried to sing this song of course it's so difficult like pitch perfect please it was so good like what? i think also everyone was saying between her performance and the result that she'd taken some sort of drug but i could, i didn't really notice because i was again on the dance floor when she kept going Apparently on about she meditating like, she was like it. i'm meditating darling and i was like i don't know what's going on here but i'm here for this it this is just a win for bisexuals ever i must say it 
Um, before we actually kind of, you know, crack on, does anyone have any other favourites from Eurovision? Finland was... Belgium's big hat. Norway was... For I, me. Don't, I love that the, song. Norway, just, your da, Norway da, da, love da, 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 is just da, 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 really... I like Norway. I liked it. Da, 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 da. I also basically got Forgetful. TikTok radicalised towards Norway <laughs> this week because I just had non-stop videos from her on TikTok. The power of the algorithm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Albania, obviously my girlies, um, I did put, they were 750 to 1 on Skybear <laughs> and I put 30p on. I think we were going to save 30p. <laughs> no, I had 30p left in my account so I was like, oh, let me see. That was the family. Um, that was the family. They ended up finishing 22nd so they finished above UK um, and it was so just... So did almost everyone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, hard. Um yeah, I did enjoy them. Um, and actually, Austria, who opened the show, that song grew on me. No, that I really, I thought me. they delivered the performance. Yeah, yeah. Po, yeah. Po, 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 I like one. What I think is really important for Eurovision, especially if like a, in a party setting, is a song that you can really easily pick up the words yes. to. So like we were in in Bethlehem Green working men's club, like po 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 po. Yeah. So I think that. You know, it's a smart move. From yeah, them. exactly. I also like the French one just because it was the most French song. Also, I've she was ever... stood on that really tall thing and her dress. Yes, it, that yeah. was amazing. And it kept going up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would also like to say I fell to my knees in Bethnal Green Working Men's Club when I realised that the third song in the Liverpool Medley of Songs was Mel C. And went, <laughs> Mel C! <laughs> we never got to do our Mel C, oh, Brian. I will, another time, another time we'll do a karaoke. But the other one, which was kind of like a po-po-po, was the Poland one that went, solo, solo. <laughs> I didn't like her at um, all. Anyway. I liked her. You, great. Everyone just fancied her. It's not yeah. the same. She was hot. Um, great Eurovision times. Um... Obviously, on today's show, we've done our Eurovision <laughs> chat, but we're going to be talking about the Women's FA Cup final because there it was a kind of odd game. Um, but we're going to be talking it was about boring. that. We're going to be talking about that, but we're also <laughs> going to be um, touching on some sad news over the weekend because Turbine Potsdam got relegated from the Frauen Bundesliga, a legend of German women's football and European women's football. So we're going to touch on that as well and kind of what that ne- means and the ramifications and how it's just kind of a bit of a sad sad moment. Uh, so let's get into all of that after this. Right, FA Cup final, Wembley yesterday, in the sunshine for once. Oops. So good to have a bit of sun. You can only warm. have one. Good yeah. football or sunshine. <laughs> or, good, or good weather. It was a, a boring game, we have to be honest. Um, it, the, the atmosphere wasn't great. Obviously, packed out Wembley. It was 77,000 odd in the end. A natural drop-off, which always happens. Um but yeah, the, the the atmosphere was just a bit off, and the game itself wasn't a classic. Sam Kerr bringing the goods as she always does with that winner. But I like I want to start with just how the game played out, really, because it was very nervy, quite edgy, especially from Chelsea in that first half, Jesse. And I know you were freaking out a little bit because United looked much better on the ball. They were, you know, playing quite. Um, not aggressively, but positively. They, you know, they wanted to go forward with any opportunity. Um, their movement was good. They were finding, you know, space in behind. There's that early disallowed goal from Leah Galton. What were you thinking in that moment? I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> when can I leave? Uh, yeah, it was... Chelsea are so weird. They're such like a Jekyll and Hyde team. They can play... I know the games were against like Everton and Leicester and also like the Liverpool game as well, but like they looked so good and so confident. And then they started this game and it was like, 
everyone had never kicked a football in their life before. <laughs> like the passing was awful. Everyone's first touch was awful. I don't know what Neve Charles was doing for large portions of it. Um, and United just looked like you would have thought United were the team who'd won the last two and like were used to playing on this stage and that Chelsea had never been to Wembley before. Um, but the problem was, was that I felt if we got to half time at nil nil, that Emma would be able to change it and we would have more options and we would find a way. It felt like United just had to had to take the chances and when they didn't, you could see as as the half went on, you could see Chelsea kind of settle and start to string some passes together and start to look a bit more threatening. United still had chances as well. Um but you could see Chelsea like get a bit more into their rhythm and, and I think as soon as that started to happen I felt like chances would come for Chelsea and Sam Kerr is Sam Kerr and she doesn't really need more than one chance. Julie, what what did you think watching it um, in your mum's garden? Because I know your mum roped you into some, doing some gardening. Um, but what, what did you think watching it? Because it did feel like as the game kind of um, dragged on that the, the United just let the game slow down to Chelsea's pace and it, as they hadn't taken their chance it just felt like there was something inevitable about Chelsea nicking that result and it was kind of like United will be kicking themselves the fact that they didn't make the most of having like much more of the ball and doing more with it in that first half especially. Yeah, like I, I mean going into the week I personally just thought I'd only really see one winner which would be Chelsea anyway yeah. and that's not because I played for him um, but it was just because I just I just fancy him in the big games because they just know how to win but I mean I put the game on in the garden um, and I missed the offside goal because I went back inside so Lil was like there's been a goal there's been a goal it's Man United and I was like well this ain't really what I predicted Um and I'll be brutally honest, I did go to shut my phone down and turn it off because I was so bored. But then I thought, no, because we're talking about it today, so I need to watch it. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, obviously United did have chance in the first half, but I just, at first I thought this is the probably the first time I'm looking at Chelsea and it's that nervous side of side of them, which I feel like now because it's not just a one-horse race or two-horse race anymore, like in the league, like you're looking at the top four. I feel like there is that side to Chelsea now where they're like, oh, we can't always dominate mm. games and we can't always be the one who has the possession. We've mm. got to learn that side. And I think that's what this year, this is what I think they've learned is that other side to their game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... And then and someone said in the week um, that harder ain't really been a miss for Chelsea, <laughs> which I completely disagree with because I'm like... They yeah, look like a different team with her. So different. And I feel like to be able to have someone like that, to I mean... You'd probably she would start normally if she was hundred percent fit, but to have someone like that be able to come on and she don't even need to do much but get that one pass across, like that's the difference in that level. Um, and I think she's been a huge miss for Chelsea because I think a lot has been put on Sam Kerr, especially with Frank Kirby not being there. Um, but she just gives something different. Um, I think she's a quality player, and I think she was huge for Chelsea to be able to bring on yesterday. She deserved that player of the match, for sure. Like, okay. Sam yeah, Sam Kerr, looked Sam... so embarrassed when she got given it. <laughs> she literally was like, I don't think I was the best player. Yeah, like, okay, Sam scored the one goal, the winning goal. But like, it literally was just a 
back post tap in because harder she did hit it nice though with the outside of her boot it was a really nice harder has done all of the work there and as soon as she comes on the pitch that game entirely changed and so when I saw Sam Kerr I was like what is going on I'm gonna get on to those substitutions and and how that kind of shifted things massively for Chelsea but Jesse we were certainly surprised about how um, Chelsea really backed off United and we kind of were talking about those results in our preview about how when Chelsea have pressed United in previous games, they've managed to, you know, force mistakes. But yesterday, certainly they were trying to maybe conserve their energy a little bit more and didn't want to try and press. But I do think in that second half, we saw what happened when they did and try and put um, United under a little bit more pressure. But it certainly felt like it was maybe more of a game similar to that Kings Meadow 1-0 than the games at Lee we've seen where United have kind of just like fallen apart in quite quick succession. But it just felt like there was hesitation maybe from Chelsea in that first half. Yeah, and I think the energy conservation is like a big part of it. Like Chelsea have only recently I think the Leicester game was the first time I'd seen Chelsea have a full bench in a very very long time um, in terms of players like coming back and having options and being able to rotate and I think there's an awareness that Chelsea are playing you know two games a week from you know after that Barcelona game like basically all the way through to the end of the season which is it's a lot to ask of a team I think even if you do have everyone available um so I think we've gen- generally seen Chelsea press a lot less this season, like throughout the season. Um, and it's strange because I do think when Chelsea do that, they're really, really good. Um, and we've seen in past FA Cup finals how that can like really unset all other teams as well. But I just think with the players available, and I also think against United, this form of United, you've got to be very careful with it, I think. Chelsea didn't always deal with it very well in the first half, but like the threat of Onabadia on that right-hand side, it means you need Guru Wrighton to sit off a bit more to, to provide that support for Charles. And they did struggle when Badia was like moving, uh, inverting a bit more into the midfield. It wasn't really clear like who was meant to be going with her. Um, but I felt as the game went on again, they like adjusted to that a bit more. So I think that's why it's harder to go with that, that press. But yeah, as soon as Harder came on, and then suddenly you've got a front two to go up against United central defenders. I think that that structure um, made it a lot more easier for Chelsea to to find those opportunities. And I think generally the fact that both teams had tactically kind of matched up was part of the reason why the game was so dull because you had really like natural man marking basically f- throughout it. Um, and I think as soon as Chelsea switched it, like I kind of thought a half time maybe like. Charles would come off and Cart would come on and Chelsea would go to a 3-5-2 or something like that because it just felt like Chelsea needed to find the space elsewhere rather than just having like each player like next to next to their their opponent and as soon as Chelsea did switch obviously they went to a 4-4-2 not a 3-5-2 but that harder ingle like individually I think they both made a big difference but I think the the shape of the team also like had a big role to play. And it also, we, we were wa- watching Lauren James. I mean, I personally was really surprised she started. Were you surprised, Jilly? Yeah, because obviously she's been a bit in and out of the team um, recently. And I think with some of the bigger games that Chelsea have played in, Emma's sort of gone more for, not players that she can trust, but I feel like... More experience. Yeah, and yeah. more with the occasion and that. Um, so yeah, no, I, was a, I was a bit surprised with it. And she looked... T- 
tired as well. But when Harder came on, it also kind of helped her because it meant she could drop deeper and she played that pass into Harder, which was such a good chance. And then Harder almost kind of like slipped or tripped and couldn't make good contact. But that suited Chelsea because it wasn't working trying to have Lauren James kind of chase balls over the top or try and kind of cut inside and create space when she's got like two United players trying to defend her. I think Emma Hayes was asking a lot of her. Um, Jesse, were you surprised as well to see her start? I was surprised, um, but I think it's there's a couple of things that make it tough. It's like if you don't start Lauren James, who do you kind of put there I think is is the main issue if you're going to play the 4-2-3-1 because yeah maybe Harder could have started off the right but I think we've seen the reason she's looked so good recently is because she's been playing centrally you know we've seen her deputise for Sam Kerr we've seen her play as the 10 um, and that was true at the start of the season as well uh, and I never think she looks as good off the, the right and clearly like Ritten Canarid I adore her and her strange dancing um, <laughs> but that that's obviously a player who Hayes doesn't fully trust yet as well so I could see why and I think you know the United Lauren James likes getting at United right um, there's obviously beef beef there yeah I oh think. yeah when, when they were booing her when she got taken off into the way she like walked she off turned. staring at them she turned, they booed <gasps> her and she just turned and st- Dead right the away end and like, like walked off a, a fucking was, glacial pace. Yeah, I loved it. That was a good moment. Great B. So, very like WWE wrestling. But moment. I think that's like that's the kind of thing that that Hayes wanted. And you know, like credit, I guess to to Hayes is like I was so surprised when Penilla came on that it wasn't LJ who went off. Yeah, same. But as soon as Penilla was on, like you said, it just felt like it felt like maybe a weight was off. James's shoulders like that she didn't have to be the player that was constantly being looked to because it was now like Harder was going to be that player and almost immediately you saw her look so much better on the ball I think you're right as well like playing a bit deeper allowed her to pick the ball up and have that space to run rather than going up against Hannah Blundell or Millie Turner both of whom just like had her for pace um so yeah I think it's been a mixed season for her and, and Emma Hayes said before this game that like it's kind of been the season you'd expect for for a player of age in terms of the ups and downs and I do think she was so good at the start the expectations have been very high and you know there's been a lot of firsts for her this year um, and, and it's her first full season she's playing ages fitness wise yeah, like that's, yeah know, I think exactly. you're seeing that as well I think it's a, it's a frustration for England because there were Four months ago, very high expectations about what she might be able to do at the World Cup, and now I think I'm just like she needs a rest more than anything. Yeah, but obviously she, you know, she'll get like what four weeks, six yeah. weeks between the end of the season and the World Cup, so maybe she'll refine some of that form. Julie, it was the substitutions for Chelsea that really changed the game. The Ingle one, I think, maybe took more people by surprise, but it, it worked well for Hayes um, and turned out to be very smart. And then Carter coming on a bit later really just kind of shored things up, but. That felt like the real difference when you look at the two teams is like when when Hayes was looking for, um, you know, the player that was going to change the game at that point and go up against tired United legs, she's got Penilla Harder in her locker who, because of the injury, is playing now like it's the start of the season because she looks so fresh. And, uh, you know, Mark Skinner is looking to Rachel Williams, a veteran who, you know, is very good at what she does, but that's a different kind of situation. You know, that is going to be, we're going to play direct and we're going to get physical. Um, and Aoife Mannion coming on, like it's not, you know, it's not the same that you've got to work with. And I thought Nikita Paris, like, had a 
decent first half of like just being a bit of a troll and getting up in people's faces and hustling and being aggressive. But that drifted so much for United as the game went on and she goes off and it's just kind of like, you're like who's going to be that spark now? Yeah, and I mean, when obviously she did she did go off and I think in the first half when I was, obviously she was down on Charles' side, like she was causing her a lot of problems. Mm. Um, so then why would you sort of take that if it, not that it's not that it's working, but in the sense of, you know she's causing problems there. You know with Nikita Paris, she's going to, like you said, be a troll, but she's going to keep running. She's going to keep pressing. She ain't going to stop. So when you take that off, it's sort of, you then... Well, you've got a like-for-like player as well, though, in Lucia Garcia. So if you're going to take Paris off, if you feel like her legs are, like, she's run enough, like, why not bring Garcia on? That's, I think that was the kind of thing that felt strange of, like, you have an option that's going to do basically what Nikita Paris has done. So just swap them out. Yeah, but I think even like with like obviously with Rachel Williams, obviously I know she come on against Brighton and she got the winner but that's against Brighton. Do you know what I mean? That's no disrespect but you're looking at a cup final, you're coming up against Chelsea at Wembley United need to have better uh, depth than that and obviously in regards to like Mannion, like what like what are you trying to achieve from it? I think obviously you, you look at say where Jess Carter comes and she brings energy. You know she's gonna drive up the pitch and bring that. Um, but I think a lot of people were saying online anyway about it's been his problem all year really in regards mm. to these substitutions and these don't really rotate and that and you ultimately potentially could have cost him yesterday. Yeah, let's talk about Skinner because Chris Powers tweeted about the she saw him throw his runners-up medal onto the grass when he received it. Not going down very well on social media. I think it's a little bit embarrassing to do that. And we know there's this whole thing in football about, you know, oh, there's no one likes being the loser. It's meaningless if you get a runners-up medal. But it's also just like a bit embarrassing I to do that. I hate it when players like get them put on and then immediately take Rip them off. off. I'm like, you just look dumb. Yeah. It doesn't like... It doesn't matter. I know. Emma Hayes has her Champions League runners-up medal hanging up Aww. with all the Ravada. Exactly. Medals. When I mean, let's ask you, Jilly, as obviously the former player. It's like God. Has the... Jilly? Did you do that? <laughs> <as well>? <laughs> <laughs> I never had a medal that went around my neck. Mine was in the little box. Okay, fine. Uh, so you didn't take it off. But no, I always feel like when it comes to the end of your career, you're going to cherish every final and every medal. You're not going to be saying that's a meaningless medal. Surely. Right? I also think for someone who's not been in many finals. Mm. Like, you don't really have the right to go, I don't want this runners-up, because it's not like you've been gone to 10 finals and you've won all well, nine of them and now you've just lost your 10th. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I've got all my medals somewhere in What's my mum's loft. It's got, uh, and I'll keep talking about it recently because of the Champions League, but obviously when I nicked the... Uh, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> nick it. I, I got given it. I, the uh, Champions or the European Cup medal yeah. it's like four gold. When you were what, like 15, 16 or something? Yeah, attempted to take down the pawn shop. So what were you doing <laughs> that, mate? Um, Yeah, when I was 15. But yeah, I mean, I've, I mean I've, I'm lucky with my medals. I've got all... It didn't really start to bring the ones till recently and obviously... Yeah. I spent quite a lot of my time after Chelsea not winning anything, but <laughs> they've got all the boxes in that we mm. have like on the back of it, what it is. But I mean, all my medals I've kept, but even like after the one, I mean, they spent a couple of times at Wembley losing against Arsenal and I was a bit, I was annoyed and frustrated. Um, and, but I'll give my medal to my mum in the crowd. So I just said, take that home because I'll yeah. end up not losing it. But and it's your West Ham of, one as well? Yeah, my West Ham one. Yeah, that was a bit different because obviously I was really proud of us getting there and... Um, it was sort of like that underdog. So I really cherished mm. that runner-up yeah. medal, which I don't really like a lot of the others. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would never like, I would never chuck it to the ground or like... Well, also like you talking about that West Ham one and, and how historic it is. It's like, 
I know United weren't underdogs in the way West Ham were there, but that's their first Exactly, you might never get there again. What if you never get back to Wembley again? What are you going to do? That would be quite funny if Manchester United... And he's just left on the grass, the groundsman's just picking it up. (laughs) The thing thing about it is, right, I have... I have much more sympathy for players who take off their medals. I I don't think they should do it. I think they look a bit silly. Mm. I have much more sympathy for them. But your manager, in a game where it's not like it was a controversial loss, it's not like there was some terrible decisions that went against his team and he's fuming. Like It's disrespectful to your players to be like, I don't fucking want this and to throw it on the ground because... They worked hard and they, you know, it's their first final and they just weren't, they just weren't good enough on the day, but it wasn't like... They, they got Chelsea'd, like lots yeah, of teams yeah, get they Chelsea'd. Didn't, they didn't get embarrassed. They didn't play terribly, they didn't get embarrassed, there wasn't decisions that went against them, against them. I think as a manager, you have to like obviously lead by example and that is just, it's embarrassing. It's childish though. Yeah. Like, it is, it is. And uh, let's talk about Mark Skinner though, um, in terms of his... Stupid red t-shirt at Manchester United <laughs> because he has been. You know, there are a pocket of Manchester United fans who don't think he's been doing a good job and want more and expect more. But even I really, though I don't really get it, I, I know, don't really get that. I just, like, I, I think I, I do sympathise with him in some things because I think when you watch them every week and you see how that he manages certain situations a bit like the FA Cup final on the substitutions yesterday, but in other scenarios where, you know, they haven't really, it's not been working out on the pitch and he's a little bit too late to make changes or he makes the wrong changes. I do sympathise with that because, you know, these fans do do expect quite a lot and he's got some really good players to work with. But what does this mean now for him and Manchester United and their season? Because they've now obviously lost the Women's FA Cup it's very likely they're going to lose the league to man to chelsea sorry so it like they could probably quite likely end the season with no trophies so what does that mean now for mark skinner jesse they've got champions league which was you know a big objective for them but do you think fans can rightly be a bit disappointed feels a bit like arsenal in the premier league like Obviously, if you get to this point, of course, it's going to be frustrating if you end up with nothing. But if you look at your expectations from the start of the season, Champions League football would have been... That's the main goal. The main goal, yeah. So then you're like, oh, is everything else just a bonus? I think the way Skinner behaves and the way he manages actually kind of comes back down to like what we're talking even about the reaction with the medal is like... You can get away with more of that stuff, I think, if you've won more. Like, That's sometimes how stuff. I felt about Jonas Eideville. And now I think now that they've got a trophy, I think it does tra- change yeah. things as well. Well, I think, you know, like lots of the criticisms about Skinner, you can easily apply to Hayes in terms of like, does she man- manage her squad? Like, she does this a lot better than him, definitely. But there are also things that she gets away with in terms of like how Chelsea set up to play sometimes, like the decisions, like we've seen her make poor decisions around substitutions this year on a number of occasions and it's lost Chelsea finals. Um, But there's an element of you're like, yeah, but she's just won her third consecutive FA Cup. Mm. So of course you're like, you're more willing to say, okay, on the balance of things, she's clearly a good manager. Um, I think Skinner's been very good at creating a playing style for a very specific first eleven. And he's been fortunate that the nature of United this season, like going out of the Conti Cup so early, not being in the Champions League, you play one game a week, you've been able to keep your whole squad fit um, or, or that starting 11 fit. Um, so you can just do it again week in, week out. I definitely think 
where the failure is, is that there's no plan B. And I don't think he manages his squad well. Um, and I think that's why they lost yesterday is that Emma Hayes had a plan B and he didn't. The thing, the like question mark I'll put over it is I feel like it would be harsh, well not harsh, but like I I feel like he deserves more time to see if that element of his management develops because I don't think it's something that necessarily comes naturally to everyone, but that doesn't mean it's not going to improve at some point. Um, it will obviously be a bit different challenge next year if they do make the Champions League group stages around how you you create team. He's probably going to have to deal with the loss of some important puzzle pieces of that starting eleven this summer as well. Um, but the problem is, is yeah, if you're like a Vildeboa you're like, why am I at this club? <laughs> and whenever she does play, She's she really looks good. really good. And I think that's the frustration. We had a few questions about that on Twitter as well, about specifically Vilda Boerisa, because I think a lot of United fans were frustrated uh, about her not featuring yesterday. But also, uh, Himmy Butler's asked, do May and I need a better coach uh, to bridge that gap between them and Chelsea and, you know, potentially to Arsenal and uh, to an extent? Um, but it just feels like... There is something missing right now and they are looking at a summer where they're probably definitely going to lose Alessia Russo and maybe lose Anya Bache as well. Although, you know, maybe there's a higher chance of her staying, but it's going to be a lot for them next season to try and compete like they have and, and potentially win the league. Yeah, well, you look before Skinner went to America, he was managing Birmingham you know, who were not in contention for Champions League. They weren't in contention for final. So he just basically was managing his team to be sort of the best of the rest, really. Then obviously he goes to America and he didn't really do that well out there. And he had a lot of big personalities and players to manage too. So in regards to experience-wise, like you're looking at Hayes, like, and it, it, I agree with, with Jesse in the sense of, She's made mistakes this year, but because of what she's won and what she's done, you sort of go, well, all right, well, she has bought in trophies for the club and do you know what I mean? Little things like that. But he don't have that. He don't have that experience or that pedigree. So, and, and you're talking about Man United. They've only been in form for four years. Do you know what I mean? Like, And they're going into the Champions League. Like, I do think if they weren't in contention for the WSL, if they'd never got to the FA Cup final and they'd sneaked in on the last day of the season or just ended up being that third position, no one would be really, not having a moan up, because they probably would, because this is football, but that should be their expectation is to get Champions League. So to be able to say, right, we've pushed Chelsea to the wire and really, I mean, Chelsea have had two great results making up that goal difference, but they had far superior goal difference all of that side of things, and they would be disappointed to come away with Champions League. That says a lot for a club that's not been around for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I do think he needs to recruit well in the summer, especially with Champions League, because obviously if they get through the qualifiers and that, they're going to play a lot more games. And the expectations, if they've got this close this year, next year there's going to be expectations of, to win the WSL, you know, to win the FA Cup, to be getting a double um, or something like that along the lines of that. So I think it will be an interesting summer for him, especially if players go. And you have to recruit well because you've got to recruit not better players than Rachel Williams because it's like no disrespect to her, but players that that's the difference. You've got Rachel Williams coming off the bench or you've got Peniel Harder coming off the bench. So it just shows really how what Man United's vision is, you know, how much they're willing to, to stick in money-wise in this summer. 
Jesse, similar question for Chelsea as well is they're going to be losing Magdalene Eriksson, who has become a kind of a hero of the second half of Chelsea season out of nowhere after having quite a poor season up to that point. And Penilla Harda, who's been the real difference in this run-in. So Holly asked on Twitter, who is going to fill their place? Because if it wasn't for Penilla Harda yesterday, Chelsea may have not won that game. So that is quite big shoes to fill as well. Yeah, Harder is the one who I think, you know, Ericsson is emotionally the, like, the very tough loss in terms of like what she has given to the club and how much she obviously cares about the club. And the leadership and, and things leadership, like that. The leadership, the yeah. captaincy. Um, you know, like she'll always be a club legend. But I think most people feel like Chelsea are kind of ready in that area. Like they bought Buchanan in the summer. Jess Carter's become like an elite defender who can play all across the back four. Um, Anique Nouns look good uh, with Milan on her loan. She could potentially come back. Like there's options there. Penilla Harder is a player who you just can't replace. Like you cannot replace her. <laughs> exactly. Cannot replace her. Um, and it it sucks. Like it sucks to have not had her for the whole season. And then it's a real like, oh, this is what you could have had. Yeah, it really is. Um, but I, I'm happy for both of them that they've had these moments like towards the end of the season that they've been able to do that. Um, I know Farrell Williams was going big on the BBC yesterday saying that Emma Hayes has already told her that she's already got her players lined up for the summer. So, Well, I was wow. going to say Chelsea are always linked to a lot of players and they always, you know, go big in the transfer market. So no doubt there will be some, you know, big players coming in. So although sort of fans are probably looking at Harder and saying, God, I can't believe we're letting her go, Chelsea are very good. And and this is what I suppose other clubs are trying to to do is really thinking on that kind of long-term strategy of making sure that the squad is always kind of being refreshed and, and things like that. So that's something that they can well, probably look and to. And that's like the thing with United. Like you look at how long it's taken Chelsea to get to a place where... They have like a squad and the luxury of that as well is that you can give players time to bed in. Like when we're talking about Kanarib, when we're talking about Trankovic, you know, Hayes often does like want players to like have half a season, a season, like to bed into how she wants to play before they go into that starting 11. And But you can get away with that when you kind of have the squad that you do. Um, and that's what Chelsea have been able to to do. And yeah, obviously like linked to a lot of players. Um it will be interesting to see who comes in. I think there is a very obvious Penilla Harder replacement out there. Um, Kat Macario. Like, I think if you were like... <laughs> Why are we being coy about it? <laughs> well, because I thought everyone would know who I was talking about. Um, <laughs> Got to make it obvious for our listeners who might not know. Not me, I knew who you meant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of a player who's like probably kind of similar profile, but also like six years younger uh, and out of contract at the end of the season. Um that would like make a lot of sense. So whether she comes will, will be interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, I think that's it's credit to Chelsea and it's credit to Emma Hayes that obviously it sucks to have players of hardest quality leave, understandably. But the squad building over the years has repeatedly shown itself, whether it's been about getting stars or whether it's been about like uncovering other players has repeatedly shown itself to be very good. So few quick questions as well. Rachel's asked, how do we feel about Millie Bright doing oh. the trophy lifting full kit? It was a bit of a John Terry moment for her. I think wearing the shirt is fine, yeah. but I think putting on the shorts is a shorts. little bit it's too much. I think she was just hot though. That's, that's <laughs> a nice day. Could wear other shorts. She though. didn't wear uh, the long socks though. 
No, she wears shin pads. No, she wears shin pads. Didn't John Terry wear shin pads? John Terry like fully went. I think tracksuit bottoms, fine. I agree. Shorts, that's the line. Even if you're hot, You'd re- I think I'd rather be hot than But also, cringe. if you're like... I do think if you're lifting the trophy, which she was doing with Magda, then in the photo, does it, isn't it going to look weird? Mm, yeah. I don't think so. I've seen I've seen people do it in tracksuits and I think... Because, I don't know. I don't it's know. just a bit like... But then I think if you're going to be... Then you have to, should f- commit and have the socks too, I think, <laughs> if you're worried about photos. I was more yeah. feeling sorry for the man who was having to piggyback her around Wembley because that guy must be hench. <laughs> Can I just say, though, when I was at Arsenal, um, when I was a young pup, uh, oh god Jilly's done the Jilly's put the shorts on as well no, I'm no. Keeping it. <laughs> right so listen so it was my first ever FA Cup final with Arsenal and this is how old it was we found out the squad so that we had a squad of like 19 mm. that you could only have 16 in the actual squad so we found that out in the dressing room by oh. Vic Akers Brutal. so we all had to go kit everything and I was one of the three that got bombed on oh, the first Jilly. year Jilly. I was very sad in the toilet crying oh <laughs> So but, sad. So I wasn't in the 16. <laughs> You've broken my heart. I still had to warm up. Oh, yeah. God. Really? I still had to warm up. I had to sit in the stands behind the bench. Is that just in case someone got injured in the warm up? No, like, like, I was, not in the squad. I'm though. not in the squad. He wanted us to make feel a part of it, you know. So the three of us <laughs> had to be in the kit. Who else was there? I can't remember. The, uh, Lizzie Wicks is a young academy girl. And I think Beck Spencer was in it as well. At so, least you had your, your friend with yeah. you. Yeah, and Karen Carney was really good because I was crying the whole warm up really, and she just ran alongside me with her arm around me. She oh, said, Don't Karen worry. Carney is such a real one. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be here one day, actually in the squad. Oh, she's so great. But I had to sit in the stand, right? Sitting there behind the bench, so I weren't even warming up anymore yeah. in the full kit. So that when we went and won it, I had to go down. I had my shirt on, my shorts, my socks. I weren't even on the bench. Wow. So I had to do it because that's what Vic said. You do it. I'll yeah. forgive you for that because... I mean, I was 16 as you well. You were a kid. Yeah. An emotional you were like made to. You were made to. Yeah, you didn't sort of choose is, to. Is the worst thing Beth England turning up? Yes. Well, in I, the that was my shirt. next question. I'm sure a lot of people saw this on Twitter, but Beth England came to the game to watch her obviously old teammate. She was wearing a Sophie Ingle shirt supporting one of her best pals. But she was doing, you know, selfies on Wembley Way. She was sitting in amongst it with the fans. If I was a Spurs fan, I might feel a little bit uh, annoyed about it. I don't know what you guys think. She was recently at Kings Meadow watching a game as well, which I think is a bit different because we see old players return quite a lot. But in a Chelsea shirt, it just feels a little bit... I think it's cute. But then <laughs> of course I'd you do. Yeah, but you would because it's Chelsea. Yeah. What, I mean, no, what do you think? No. Not even a Spurs fan. If I was one of her Spurs teammates, I'd say you're taking the mick, mate. Yeah. Like, it would yeah. make me fuming because yeah. I'd be thinking... Yeah, I bet there would was some you see that group in the men's going game? Oh, you would never see that men's game. Even Mane Iwabuchi got it in the neck when yeah. she was like doing positive tweets about Tomiyasu at Ars- Um No, it wasn't Tomiyasu. Was um, it was Matoma at Brighton, sorry. And she was doing like, you know, a tweet because she's Japanese. Japanese, he's Japanese, and it was like a, a positive, like supporting tweet, and all these Arsenal fans came for her. So that was even enough, let alone turning up to Wembley. You could go there in a and bloody watch it Chelsea in a normal yeah. top. Yeah, I know you're thinking. Yeah. You've only well, you just left them in January. Yeah. If I'm a Spurs teammate, I would be giving it 
compare to her today. I would right. love. I would love to I'd see the text messages sent between Spurt, the other Spurt. If I was admin of their WhatsApp group, I would boot her out, <laughs> and I'd say, "Until you apologise to the team, you ain't come back in, mate." Wow. wow. No way. You can't. You can't do that when you're at Tottenham yeah. and you got a Chelsea shirt on. Yeah. Also, yeah, like when bad. you're in like the like the trenches of like a, a relegation battle, yeah. like yeah. it's. it's no, I think it was maybe the end of the season as well. It's just a bit weird when you're in season. We haven't even really been able to actually touch on Sam Kerr yet, but that goal takes her record in cup finals, 10 goals in seven finals. Um, Don't care about the goals, can we talk about the backflip? Someone oh, such uh, a good backflip. Derek's asked on Twitter, in exactly how much trouble and jeopardy has Sam Kerr put Drogba's finals record in because she just loves the big occasion and it came at a good time because there's, there had been discourse in the week around her winning the Football Writers Association You know Award. she read all of that on Twitter and said <laughs> fuck you I'm going to score at Wembley I still don't think that goal makes her worth the vote Oh, oh <laughs> wow Okay. You never did your well, Katie's Ellen tweet. <laughs> what about what about the backflip though? Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. The, the backflip. The backflip. It was, a, my vote for it was way, a double, yeah. and what I loved as well is that she was willing to risk it all the summer of a home World Cup to do a backflip. <laughs> Just because at Millie Bright asked her to do it, basically. <laughs> like it was so. It was so. It was she such gave a good backflip. The people what she wanted. As soon as she scored, in my head, I was like, "Do the backflip! Do the backflip!" And she was like, "Bam!" I was like, "Double <gasps> whammy!" Pointing. The pictures screaming. are amazing. It was so good, but yeah. Jesse, just a quick word on like the how good she is in finals. <laughs> it's unreal. That goals record is insane. Like I know it's funny because she obviously scored in both Conti Cup final losses, and she did heavily stat pad against Bristol City in terms of cup final goals. But um, true, uh, she, did the she did the backflip then as well. Although there was no one there, so just that was me really and you weird. In the just us, like, <laughs> um, yeah, but her, just her record at, at Wembley is is totally amazing and you know I as part of defending her um, I was initially like yeah Sam Kerr shouldn't have won Football Rice all of the year then I saw everyone coming for her I was like Sam <laughs> Kerr deserved to win but like I do think she hasn't scored like 20 goals in the league this season but in terms of the importance of the goals she scored for Chelsea I think this has been maybe one of her most impressive seasons in terms of how she's carried the team through obviously the winner here but like when you look you know, the equaliser against Arsenal, the winner against United at Kings Meadow. She she is the epitome of a big game player. Um, like, I just don't think anyone has, like, the level of ball Sam Kerr has when it comes to, like, showing up uh, for matches. And it's the way that she can, like, really drift in and out of a game. You think you've got, like, Mark Skinner being like, oh, we think we know how to, like, defend against her. And then you see all the goals she scored against United. Um, but, yeah. She's a fantastic player and I love that she also went fucking Chelsea after she scored <laughs> two because that was cute. Um, let's also quickly touch on one of the other big bits of news from the weekend, which was that uh, Turban Potsdam got relegated from the Fauern Bundesliga. Uh, this one was really sad um, because they are one of the greats in women's football, six-time Fauern Bundesliga champions, Two-time Champions League winners. You probably came across them a fair bit in the Champions League, Jilly, as well, when you were at Arsenal, especially. Like, a great of women's football. And they've been relegated. 
And it's been a pretty kind of um, dreadful couple of years. They, you know, they don't have the financial might and resource to compete with Wolfsburg and Bayern now. They tried to do a partnership with Hertha Berlin. That's now ending. Hertha Berlin are going to do their own thing with their own women's girls program. So it does feel like a bit like the end of an era because it's probably not going to be easy for them to come back. So it's 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 the biggest evidence, I guess, of this kind of new age in women's football we're seeing right now. Yeah, I, I mean, I did. I, I spent. Um, I played against them quite a few times when I was uh, younger. With Arsenal, we ended up always drawing a German team, and they was one of them. Um, but did you I, get sent off against them? Was that that one? No, was that someone else? I don't know who I got sent off against. Actually, <laughs> I don't know what. T- no, I think it was a Spanish team. Actually, oh, okay. I'm googling. Just one time. <laughs> one. I've only had two in my career. Um, but yeah, no. I mean. They obviously they've got such a great history, um, but it is I think it is the day and age now. If you've not got the financial backing, um, whether that be from your own source or from the the men's side of the club, um, I think it's difficult. I think for for clubs coming through, and I think now a lot of um, the leagues how it goes is it's drawn to money. Um, I think even you're looking at our game over here. Um, obviously, you're looking at, for example, Newcastle. I know people were talking about the league reopening up, the WSL, they should reopen it up for teams. Obviously, you've got like Burnley putting money in, Newcastle putting money in. So I feel like now in this day and age, it is this where the money's, wherever the money's at, that's where the players want to go. And it's sad, really, because obviously they've got such a great history in, in women's football. Yeah, and it shifted so much in quite a short space of time, Jesse. because like not that long ago, Edda Hegerberg was playing there, Leah Volti was there before she signed for Arsenal. So it just shows how quickly things shift, especially, I mean, Wolfsburg have been kind of a powerhouse for a while, but Bayern Munich's kind of rise as well. It, it's, it is going to be hard for teams to be able to kind of still keep there and, and be an established side. Maybe we've seen that with the likes of Birmingham City and, and their slide and even kind of Liverpool and the way that they slid. It's like if you if you can't compete and match, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, and I think we're going to see German women's football change significantly over the next couple of years because you've got RB Leipzig get, moving up towards the top. Borussia Dortmund started, I think, at like the sixth tier yeah, or something. Yeah, now they're in the fourth they're, or something. They had back-to-back promotions. So yeah. I think you'd assume to see them in the Frauenbundesliga in the next couple of years. Um and it, it's a shame. It's just hard because on the one hand, you're like, well, logically, it makes sense for these men's clubs to be able to offer the not just like the finances, but like the training facilities and the staff, you know, because th- those structures are already in place. And if you're an independent team, it's always going to be tougher to, to match that just because the, the financial heft is like incredibly different. Um, but it's sad. And I think, it, you know, I think it's, important to want independent teams within women's football and to want a kind of culture of women's football that doesn't just feel like it maps onto the men's game um and but I just don't I just don't think we will <laughs> like I just think that's that's not the way it's going to go and ultimately maybe at some point stuff will start to go back the other way and people will see the value of investing in women's football and they'll look to do it uh, independently, um, you know, like individuals. But it, it's a tricky one, you know, and I think it, it, we've talked about this obviously in, in relation to the WSL in terms of like looking at Reading going down and, and potentially having a, obviously because Bristol's come up, this won't happen, um, but like having a Premier League only WSL. But I think we will probably have that in the next couple of years. Um, and I do think that's that's a shame, but... 
it's just kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they get relegated with um, some strong teams down there as well. Jesse, there was another big result as well in Germany because Wolfsburg were trying to keep in touch with Bayern, but they suffered a massive shock defeat on the weekend and that kind of says goodbye to their... Oh my God, is that a real one? Lewis, should we get out? Okay, let's get out. Attention, please. <laughs> Attention, please. I'll take my computer. <laughs> please leave the building immediately. No, this has oh never happened. So we just all had to evacuate the building for a fire alarm, but we are now back. Uh, we were talking about the Real Bundesliga. Never a boring day. <laughs> never, never a boring day in Counter Press HQ. Um, Jesse, there was another big result uh, in Germany over the weekend as Wolfsburg had a really big shock defeat, which basically puts them out of the title race. They were trying to catch Bayern and, and hoping for a slip up, really, but... That was a, a massive defeat for them on the weekend. Yeah, big 4-0 loss to Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, I only caught some of this because I was getting over my Eurovision hangover <laughs> by having more pints before the Chelsea mm, game. Smart. Um, it's the only it was I, I had to go through. You know, I couldn't go over or under. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, just some absolutely woeful defending from Wolfsburg who looked really, really bad. Um, it's funny because Barcelona drew to Sevilla... Uh, a couple of weeks ago obviously after they've won the league in Liga FA and it was like oh a chink in Barcelona's armour playing like 17 year olds <laughs> and then Wolfsburg go and do this and you're like okay um, yeah a bit of a bit of a bum for them I think they were probably going to I felt like Bayern they beat Hoffenheim 1-0 on Friday and as soon as they got that result I felt like they were going to hold on because that was like their last hard, hard game but a tough one for Wolfsburg to take yeah definitely um, and it's it's interesting as well like heading into Champions League final what is going to happen now um, not long to go until the big finale to the season but coming up for the rest of the week, we've obviously got Chelsea's game against West Ham in Daggers on Wednesday, expecting a pretty big Chelsea win there. And then a huge weekend because Chelsea host Arsenal at home. That win on Wednesday will take Chelsea top if they do Wood. win. Flo, Wood. I'm getting some jinxing yeah. sorry, <laughs> yeah, from you. you. What did you do at Wembley yesterday? I blew you... the jinx clouds away. So let's do like... that again. <laughs> A win on Wednesday against West Ham would take Chelsea top because they're currently a point behind United. So, yeah, it could be a big uh, a big one on Wednesday. We'll obviously talk about that on Thursday's show. But for now, we will love you and leave you and see you soon.